0: Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recording. To the Batmobile! Are you watching Star Trek? We would be honored if you would
1: join us. Please proceed with extreme caution.
0: Now, Geek Universe, the weekly show on sci fi and superheroes, fantasy and horror, and much more. Importing preferences and calibrating virtual environments. I that my Wookiee! Are you insane? Here he is, the only talk show host who doesn't believe in the no-win scenario, your host for Geek Universe, Jim Yelton.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and children of all ages, welcome to another edition of Geek Universe. I'm your host, Jim Yelton, and we are coming to you live on tape once again this week from Geek Headquarters otherwise known as the Ten Forward Lounge from the USS Enterprise. And there's a reason why we're coming from Ten Forward this week, because our very special guest for the entire show is the one and only Jonathan Frakes. You know him as William Riker but he's also carved himself out quite a career as a director of some of your favorite shows that are on TV right now, including things like The Gifted on Fox and Star Trek Discovery and the returning show from Seth MacFarlane, The Orville, which just came back beginning of the new year. And Jonathan Frakes is the perfect person... To be working as a director on The Orville, Uh, we'll talk about the reasons why a little bit later on in the show with him. But if you haven't seen The Orville, and you're a fan of Star Trek The Next Generation, you owe it to yourself to at least give the show a try. I've been talking with people since the show premiered last year about how I thought they really did the show a disservice in season one with the way they marketed it. They really tried to make you think this show was going to be like a slapstick comedy version of Star Trek, and it really isn't. I mean, there is there is humor. It's a Seth MacFarlane show, but I kind of liken it to the, the amount of humor that I have in in some of my stuff. So, you know, it's not meant to be a comedy. It's meant to be a science fiction show with tinges of humor. And it really does have that feel of the early seasons of The Next Generation, like a, a season two, season three of Star Trek The Next Generation. I really like the cast on the show. They've done a really good job of putting together a good writing staff. And I was pleasantly surprised at the serious tone that some of the episodes early in Season 1 took. And that they really hit home with uh, some thematically strong episodes. Which you normally don't see on a show like this early on in a run it, it usually takes them a while to kind of get their feet under them and I really give them credit for doing some strong character building early on in the run so that was kind of cool to see from the Orville I'm really interested to see what they do with season two and it was fun to get a chance to talk with Jonathan Frakes not only about Star Trek but the stuff that he's working on now. When I knew that you were going to be directing episodes of Discovery, I started to think back to just how much Star Trek you've directed. You know, obviously you've, you've acted in a lot of it, but you are one of those people that has a ton of experience directing this kind of a show. Was it different for you moving from Next Generation and directing on that show with the with a cast that you knew very well to the other shows when you started doing Deep Space Nine and Voyager? And, and now with Discovery?
1: Well let's start with Deep Space Nine and and Voyager. We all knew each other over there. We all worked across the street from each other. So the company, the Star Trek family, if you will, at Paramount grew into a bigger family as Deep Space started and then Voyagers and we were we were sort of intermingled and we also did all the conventions together. So I knew all those people, they knew me and that helped the relationship and certainly the look of the show and the fact that we used the same cinematographers and the same production designers and rick was running all the shows and the same writers so the tone look feel of that generation if you will of of uh star Trek was of a piece i mean obviously deep Space had a cooler darker look and a darker vibe but voyager was shot and felt very much like next gen Now you come to Discovery years later, I don't know how many years later this is, but it's much more cinematic. It's much more in the JJ world of, uh, of Star Trek. The budgets are bigger. The production design is spectacular. The wardrobe is brilliant. The, uh, they give you all the toys you need. They give you all the time you need. And the scope of the show is at a level that we never attempted, except in the movies. So I came up here last year to do one and I had met only Doug Jones, who I'd done Fallen Skies with. And what I found was, when I got onto the bridge or onto the set, their company, the actors on Discovery, treat each other and behave like we did on Next Gen. They're, they're friends. They hang out together on the weekends. They eat together. They They watch each other's scenes. They're incredibly supportive of each other, and it had it had the vibe of of the next gen set, which I got to say made me very happy and very proud. So I'm now in my third episode up here, and that that feeling, that sense of uh, family, has only grown stronger. And I feel proud to be, you know. Wacky old uncle from Next Gen.
2: <laughs> it must be kind of cool to see a group of people going through the same process that you all went through with The Next Generation in those early days. And and I, I know the show took some hits in that first season, but, you know, so did Next Generation. I mean, it any television series, the the first season or two, is sort of that feeling out process where – the creative talent behind the scenes is trying to figure out how to best do their version of the show. The actors are all still trying to feel each other out and the characters out. So, you know, there are growing pains, but for you, it must be kind of cool. Like I said, to, to see another group of people going through that.
1: Well, it, it. I mean, frankly, it took them less time to get their train on the track than us. I mean, our first season was certainly spotty
3: <laughs> as we were <laughs> yeah. finding ourselves.
1: And um, I think that Discovery found its legs about midway through their first season and and was running at, on all cylinders by the end of the first season, certainly. And I think we got really in tune, you know, in the third or fourth season of our show. Plus, we did 26 a year. These guys do 13 a year. Right. So the uh, the growing pains or learning curve or whatever metaphor we're looking for has been shorter, quicker, and more successful on discovery. I think.
2: Well, when you do a, a larger number of episodes during a season, it's hard to make them all great.
1: That's a good point. And the intention here, and the marching orders that we get here from the you know from Alex now and from Tunde, who's the producing director, is marching orders are. Take the time you need. Don't be afraid to make cool shots. Tell us what kind of, uh, how we can help you do it. Plan your, you know, think big is really the, uh, and think cool. And, And the cinematographers and production designers and wardrobe and actors and special effects and visual effects are all on board and all encouraged to think that way. And that's why the show is of the
2: quality it is. I I hope you don't mind because I I know you get a ton of questions when you go do conventions and appearances. And and when you do interviews like this, you know, you get a ton of questions about your acting in the show and your, your other things that you've done. So I I hope you're going to enjoy the fact that I am going to geek out totally during most of this interview about your directing.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm much happier in the director's chair. <laughs> uh,
2: when, when you guys came off of Star Trek Generations and the, mm-hmm. the cast was transitioning and, and you knew you were going to be doing movies, at what point did you throw your hat when we the came out
1: of, out of When we came out of Star Trek The Next Generation before we did Generations.
2: So you had already told them, I want to direct a feature.
1: No, no. Are you asking about the transition from the television show to the movie Generations?
2: Yeah, yeah. When, well, I, I'm wanting to know when you threw your hat in the ring to direct one of the features.
1: Oh, as soon as as soon as we knew what was happening. You know, I would have been thrilled to do the first one. We're... We all want that job. That's, a, that's the best job in, <laughs> in, the, in the world. Who does that job? Yeah, exactly. Also, to be—I mean, let that, I don't need Cat to be cavalier, but by the time first contact came around, that was Star Trek eight, I think. Yeah, they certainly weren't going to get um, the A-list sci-fi guy. They weren't going to get Spielberg or Richard Scott, Cronenberg, any of these guys to do Zabekas to do the eighth Star Trek movie. So, the reality of 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 getting the job seemed a little more tangible. And the head of the studio at the time was Sherry Lansing, who I'm told said to Rick Berman, who was the keeper of the flames and holder of the reins, uh, You choose someone you believe can make this movie. I don't know the franchise as well as you do. And I'm not sure who they interviewed, who they went through, but I was blessed with that as my first film. And the script, as you know, is, you know, arguably. Some people like Rafa Khan, but it's clearly in the top two of our, of the original and our series of films. It's
2: it's very good. I mean, story wise, it still holds up. I mean, it's not something that you look back on and say, "Oh, I wish they had done this" or "I wish they had done something different." I mean, the the movie still holds up very well.
1: Well, it, that's ran, that's Ron Moore and Brandon Braga. I mean, they were they had it. They understood it.
2: I'm Jim Yelton. You're listening to Geek Universe. And we are talking this week with the great Jonathan Frakes from Star Trek The Next Generation. Stay tuned because coming up in the show, we're going to find out what some of his favorite episodes of The Next Generation were. What it was like to work with Dean Devlin on shows like Leverage and The Librarians. And Jonathan also gives me some tips on interviewing his Next Generation co-star, Marina Sirtis, who's actually coming up next week as our guest here on Geek Universe. All that and more is coming right up. Stay tuned. We've got more Geek Universe coming right up.
0: Hey, this is Paul Shear from The League, and you are listening to Geek Universe. Never stop listening.
2: Hey, we just want to let you know that this week's show is brought to you by Soylent Green. You know, if you're hungry, there's nothing else that satisfies your craving better than Soylent Green. Remember what Charlton Heston said.
1: Soylent Green is made out of people.
2: That's right. Soylent Green. It's 100% green and 100% people. And coming soon, three new flavors. Soylent Red, Soylent Berry Burst Blue, and Diet Soylent with half the calories and half the people. You gotta tell them! Silent breed is
3: people! There are many sounds in your daily life. Ones that make you smile, <laughs> ones that help you relax. And there are some sounds that can help save lives. Wireless emergency alerts. Now on many mobile devices, use a unique sound and vibration to bring you critical information about emergencies in your area. With updates from local sources you know and trust, you can be in the know wherever you are. Learn more at ready.gov slash alerts. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council.
2: Hey gang, if you're sitting in your car or at home or at work or... Any other place that you listen to Geek Universe every weekend and you're enjoying the show, go support us on Patreon. There's a lot of cool rewards that are show specific, like our t-shirts and our coffee mugs. And we've got the treasure chest of awesome goodness that you can get full of geeky stuff like books and collectibles and games and toys and all sorts of cool stuff that will make you feel like a kid getting a happy meal again except this time it's even better there's better stuff in it you can even have a chance to be a convention correspondent and show producer at some of the higher levels where we're gonna send you to comic-con or new york comic-con or c2e2 in chicago there's lots of cool stuff there's some stretch goals that we've got where we will be bringing you some really cool patreon exclusive programs like me re-watching all of the episodes of old shows movies we will have more guests joining us for those a lot of fun stuff that we have on deck for those of you who go to Patreon and support the show. Go to patreon.com forward slash universe show. Check out the reward tiers. Pick one that's right for you. And make sure that we can continue to bring you Geek Universe each and every week on this very radio station. And it's the best way to let us know that you're enjoying the show
0: Very, very hot. There's nothing hotter than Geek Universe. Once again, here's your host, Jim Yelton.
2: Welcome back to Geek Universe, I'm your host Jim Yelton, and this week we've got a very special guest that we're chatting with, Jonathan Frakes, Commander William Riker from Star Trek The Next Generation, and director of pretty much all of the Trek series from Next Generation onward. He's directed at least one episode of each of the various shows before moving on to some really cool shows like The Gifted on Fox and The Orville we've been talking about, Uh, we're going to talk about the Orville later, because he's got a very special episode that he directed of the Orville that ties in with our guest next week, who is Jonathan's co-star from The Next Generation, Marina Sirtis. That's right, Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation will be here, and Jonathan actually played a small role in getting her cast as a guest actor on an upcoming episode of the Orville that he directs. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, but uh, make sure to tune in next week as we talked to Marina Sirtis about her experiences on The Next Generation and what it was like to reunite with her Imzadi Jonathan Frakes uh, all of these years later on the Orville. And Jonathan's actually it's funny when we talked to him for this interview I called him and he was in Canada shooting an episode of Star Trek Discovery that he was directing for the new season of Discovery and uh, we actually I, I think Later on in the interview, we do touch on how cool it is that he's working with the Discovery cast and uh, the new Spock that is going to be making an appearance on Discovery. But when we pick up the conversation for this segment, we talk about one of my all-time favorite Star Trek movies, Star Trek First Contact, which was his first film feature directing job on top of starring as Riker. So they just finished Generations. They're moving into their second feature, which is kind of the first one on their own. They didn't have any of the original Star Trek cast with them for this one, but they did have probably one of the greatest villains in Star Trek history, the Borg. So, were you excited going into it, knowing what the story elements were going to be, and that you were bringing the Borg back, and it was going to be much more of a a bigger kind of action movie than Generations was? I was thrilled. Was it was it fun trying to figure out all of those those action scenes? I mean, the fun thing for me, knowing that you directed and you starred in it, is that most of the action stuff happens on the ship and Riker's down on the planet. So you didn't really get to act in any of the big Borg fight scenes on the ship and you were stuck with all the character stuff down on the planet, which was amazing. And I love the stuff with James Cromwell, but as a director, it had to have been fun knowing you were going to go play on the Enterprise sets and blow stuff up.
1: It's always fun to blow stuff up. (laughs) <laughs> i just got a uh as a sidebar i just got a text last night from robbie duncan mcneil who's the producing director on the gifted versus i'm going next there was a picture from the set of what looked like a car being blown up in the air and he said get down here we're blowing up."
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> speaking of blowing stuff up um you know one of the, one of the things that I that you've worked on that I love uh more than most recent TV is uh all the stuff that you've done with Dean Devlin and John Rogers. I mean both the, oh, the man. S- stuff on leverage was amazing. I love that show. I think it's one of the most underrated shows probably of the last 10 years.
1: I couldn't agree more. Did you, Dean ha- Devlin tone, his tone, and Roger's idea of this action-adventure comedy genre was captured so well, both in Leverage and in the Librarian series and the Librarian films. And I think the audience for that is, is, we used to say it's, you know, Cradle to Grave. The fans of those shows are so loyal, and they want to see a Leverage movie, and they want another Librarian's movie. It's yeah, I'm glad you watched because I'm. I we had a ball in those shows, obviously. Plus, we were in Portland for most of it, which is a great town. And that was again, that was a family. When you do a play for a long time, you become a family. And when you do a TV show for a long time, especially on location, you become a family. And that's what we have. In leverage as on leverage, I love that
2: I I love. I'm a big like caper movie heist movie sort of a fan and I just, I loved that it had that sort of sensibility and I I've loved pretty much everything Dean Devlin's done and he he always carries that kind of comedic action sensibility with him and everything he does
3: Yeah,
1: yeah he's got great taste in
2: that regard So you did two of the three librarian movies for TNT and mm-hmm. you got to work with Somebody that is one of my all-time comedy idols, and Bob Newhart. How cool was
1: that? It was spectacular, both on camera and off. When he was with us in Africa on the second one, he—I t- mean—he was one of the people who could tell, so, still tell stories about the Rat Pack and about Sinatra and the Vegas in the fifties or sixties. It was—he was a, a font. Of stories and he was a gentleman, he's humble, he's, he's fabulous. He was a real treat. He just had his birthday recently,
2: yeah. Yeah, I in, in fact, I was reminiscing with somebody when his birthday came around, and we were talking about how he's one of those people that you can't even explain to somebody his comedy because it's so subtle at times and he's so unassuming as a performer that. He almost needs you to help him do some of the work. Like he'll he'll lay it out there for you. but You, you have to think very about it. Point of view. <laughs>
1: That's a great way to look at it.
2: And and he doesn't mind doing that. I mean, some people, you know, want to do all the heavy lifting for you and and don't want you to have to think too much. But you know, especially with his stuff, with with all of his bits where he's on the phone talking to somebody, you're only getting half of the bit. And you have to fill in what the person on the phone's doing. So, I've always loved him. Um, I have to. Somebody else that everybody who listens to my show knows that I am a huge fan of, and we actually had him on the show not too long ago, was uh, Bruce Campbell. And you've been able to (laughs) to work with Bruce multiple times uh, on Burn Notice, and you had him... I I think it it was was Santa Claus. Was that your first episode of the librarians show? The series? Was that the first one you directed?
1: No, I don't think so, but it was a great get.
2: Yeah. He's amazing in that episode. I
1: love that episode. To go back to Dean. He said, I said to Dean, what if we got Bruce for this? So I texted Bruce and he read the script and he got on board and we've been trying to bring him. I mean, before the show was canceled, we were trying to bring that character back each year and his because he was too busy in uh, yeah. New Zealand work wherever he was doing Ash. But he's, yeah, he's, he's one of the great pros, too. He knows how to get it done.
2: One of the things that I love about the Librarians TV series is, you know, I, I keep coming back to this, like the cast is so good. Um, and I keep telling people that one of my favorite parts of it is that you have, a star like Rebecca Romaine who is almost playing against type with the character she plays on the librarians. I mean, she, she's very much this forceful military action person and not like the beautiful supermodel that we've, we've known her for.
1: And I think they she's do also that- a wonderful comedian.
2: Yes. And she's amazing on that show. And they do that with everybody on that show. It's like, They take this person that you would see as one thing and put them in a role that's the complete opposite of what you would imagine them to be.
1: That's good casting.
2: You're listening to Geek Universe. I'm your host, Jim Yelton. And we are joined this week by Jonathan Frakes, William Riker from Star Trek The Next Generation, and he's made quite a career for himself post-Star Trek, directing some of your favorite shows like The Orville and The Gifted on Fox. He's directed uh, many episodes of The Librarians on TNT and two of The Librarian movies with Noah Wiley. Along with one of my favorite shows and a show that I think is highly underrated, Leverage. If you're a big fan of heist movies and caper movies and like Ocean's Eleven, which obviously I am since I I wrote an entire science fiction story based around a, a group of intergalactic con artists, Leverage is, is right up our alley. If you haven't seen it, go find it. You'll really love it. Stay tuned. We've got more with Jonathan Frakes coming up right here on Geek Universe.
1: This is Bruce Campbell. You're listening to Geek Universe with Jim Yelton. Hey, we just want to let you know that this week's show is brought to you by
2: Soylent Green. You know, if you're hungry, there's nothing else that satisfies your craving better than Soylent Green. Remember what Charlton Heston said.
1: Soylent Green is made out of people.
2: That's right, Soylent Green. It's 100% green and 100% people. And coming soon, three new flavors. Soylent Red, Soylent Berry Burst Blue, and Diet Soylent with half the calories and half the people.
0: You gotta tell them, Soylent Green
2: is people!
3: There are many sounds in your daily life. Ones that make you smile. (laughs) Ones that help you relax. And there are some sounds that can help save lives. Wireless emergency alerts. Now on many mobile devices, use a unique sound and vibration to bring you critical information about emergencies in your area. With updates from local sources you know and trust, you can be in the know wherever you are. Learn more at ready.gov alerts. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council.
2: Hey, gang, if you're sitting in your car or at home or at work or any other place that you listen to Geek Universe every weekend and you're enjoying the show, go support us on Patreon. There's a lot of cool rewards that are show specific, like our T-shirts and our coffee mugs. And we've got the treasure chest of awesome goodness that you can get full of geeky stuff like books and collectibles and games and toys and all sorts of cool stuff that will make you feel like a kid getting a Happy Meal again. Except this time it's even better. There's better stuff in it. You can even have a chance to be a convention correspondent and show producer at some of the higher levels where we're going to send you to Comic-Con or New York Comic-Con or C2E2 in Chicago. There's lots of cool stuff. There's some stretch goals that we've got where we will be bringing you some really cool patreon exclusive programs like me re-watching all of the episodes of old shows movies we will have more guests joining us for those a lot of fun stuff that we have on deck for those of you who go to Patreon and support the show. Go to patreon.com forward slash universe show, check out the reward tiers, pick one that's right for you, and make sure that we can continue to bring you Geek Universe each and every week on this very radio station. And it's the best way to let us know that you're enjoying the show.
3: Back in the Ronald Reagan days, when we put satellites in space. When boys skinny
0: You're listening to Geek Universe. Once again, here's Jim Yelton. was just snack. told I'll be back.
2: Welcome back to Geek Universe. I'm your host, Jim Yelton, and we are talking this week with Jonathan Frakes. One of my all-time favorites from Star Trek, William Riker from Next Generation. He's directing a several episodes, in fact, of the Orville coming up on Fox, including one with his Star Trek The Next Generation co-star Marina Sirtis, who's going to be joining us next week on the show. And as much fun as I had talking to Jonathan, the conversation with Marina Sirtis is even more enjoyable. So make sure to tune in for that next week. Until then, let's jump right back into things with Jonathan Frakes. Did you enjoy working with John Larroquette?
1: Every day. What He's is- uh, Well, I mean, if you've got Noah Wiley, who's one of my, obviously one of my favorite actors and favorite people. And Lara Kent, who's a genius as an actor and a fascinating man, by the way, on other levels. So these two are at the the front. Rebecca, who I'd done King and Maxwell with and who's also, by the way, on Discovery.
2: Oh, is she gonna be on Discovery?
1: Yeah, she plays number one. Yeah, yeah. It's um and, and Christian, who had been on Leverage, is um as wonderful a comic actor and he does his own stunts and so he he moved from Leverage and then played against type on the Librarians. Lindy Booth, who I just saw the other day in Toronto, is incredibly lovable and smart. And the relationship between her with Cassandra and uh, Marquette and li- Librarians, I I missed that show too.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was tough when it, when it left. So I've got some quick questions that we'll end things with, but I do want to talk about you directing on The Orville because yeah. when when I heard that Seth MacFarlane was doing a show that was basically as Star Trek as you can get without calling it Star Trek, yep. I, I was in from the beginning, and one of the things that surprised me about the first season was how um, deep it got. And yes. It, the, the storytelling was really on point as far as taking that idea of, you know, the the social commentary that you saw on Star Trek a lot. Uh, they didn't have a problem going hard with that in the first season. And I, I think that the marketing for the show really did it a disservice because it made it seem like it was going to be this wacky slapstick family guy type comedy. And it really is a very thoughtful show
1: and even more so in the second season.
2: Good, captain I'm glad to hear that.
1: Kind of a kind of a, a renaissance man as you probably know. And his desire to be a starship captain that he's had since he was 9 years old as he says. Yeah. has been fulfilled and and Fox gave him the opportunity because of how successful family guy and american dad his work has been at that studio. And he has such a um I don't know what the word is, but he, he loved Next Gen. So he hired uh, Marvin Walsh, who's a cinematographer. He hired me. He hired Robbie, who I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. Brandon Braga, Bormanas. Um, he's got, he surrounded himself with people from that world specifically to do what you just said, which is to create a show that looks and feels like Next Gen, but is, you know, written coming from his wonderful, absurd brain.
2: Was that kind of one of the reasons why they wanted to talk to you and and have you come in is is to give rub a little bit of the next gen magic on the show a little bit?
1: I would love to think so <laughs> <laughs>
2: um so uh, you did one episode in the first season do you, you're doing one more for the second season or are you doing multiple
1: for- yeah i no, I'm doing just one in the second season. I've, I've finished shooting it, and I'm in the process of editing.
2: Cool. And you said that you're in Toronto doing Discovery right now. How many episodes are you doing for the second season of Discovery? Two of those. Is there – I I know the big thing at the end of the first season was, you know, the, the big twist was the Enterprise showing up, and and we see – we know Christopher Pike's going to be on the show. And we know they're using Spock. Is there, Are there any secrets that you're able to talk about? Or, or is everything kind of locked down and hush-hush until the show premieres?
1: This is the most locked down, hush-hush show I've ever worked on.
2: <laughs> Which I, I guess they almost have to because they they don't want too much to get out for fear of ruining episodes. I mean, they, they're... they Well, they're doling it
1: up. They're doling it out quite effectively. I mean, I just finished last night with Ethan Peck, who plays Spock, who is fabulous on the show. And I spent the week with Anson Mount, who's the new Pike, is also fabulous. So they've this show is very well cast. And um, I think the audience is just going to continue to grow. The world audience is going to continue to grow as well. The idea that Michelle Yeoh is on this show has only helped the franchise widen its demographic.
2: One of the things that I was concerned about when they did the J.J. Abrams reboot was that there are certain characters that I think you can get away with doing an impression of the original actor, and and I mm-hmm. really appreciate the job that Carl Urban did playing. I was just about McCoy. to say, I
1: thought he channeled, I thought he channeled the brilliantly. Yeah,
2: yeah. and and you can get away with it with a character like McCoy. And yet at the same time, I didn't want that for Kirk and Spock. I didn't want to see Chris Pine doing William Shatner. And I I don't think he did. And and he didn't. And it's a great performance. Uh, Do you think Ethan has that issue uh, being now the third, fourth, fifth person to play Spock uh, counting all the the younger versions? Um,
1: yeah, it's a, it's a tough battle, and um, what he's done and what he's doing and what I'm hoping to help him with. This is Spock before Leonard Spock, 10 years before. Right. And uh, this Spock has his own voice. I don't want to get too deep into it because I'll tell story points and I'll get
3: <laughs>
1: but, um Yes, you will see a different Spock, but you will certainly recognize him.
2: We're talking with Jonathan Frakes from Star Trek The Next Generation this week on Geek Universe. I'm your host, Jim Yelton. We'll be back with more from Jonathan in just a bit. And you know, we've been talking a lot here on the show. You you've heard the promos for the Geek Universe Patreon, and you've probably wondered well, what exactly do I get out of this? I mean, if I'm gonna contribute one, five, ten, twenty dollars a month to Geek Universe, what do I get ongoing? I mean, I know. I get maybe a really cool coffee mug or a really cool t-shirt out of this whole gig. But ongoing, what do I get other than listening to the show? Well, we've got something really cool coming up because uh, you've heard us talk about Extraordinary, our upcoming superhero series that's going to be coming up. Well, we've got a date. If you've liked us on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Geek Universe Show, you know that Extraordinary is going to hit. Amazon and all of your favorite places to buy books this coming April. But for Patreon supporters, if you go to Patreon, even at the $1 level, and support the show through Patreon, you are going to get extraordinary. Every single page, every single word of the entire Extraordinary series, starting in April through the end of time, whenever the series finishes, you're going to get every single volume of Extraordinary sent to you as a Patreon supporter in ebook form or as a PDF for you to read, however you want to read it. And you're going to get it before everybody else. So Extraordinary is going to have a publication date and go live on Amazon and all of your favorite booksellers in April, the middle of April, but it will actually hit our Patreon supporters at the end of March. So March 31st, they'll have it weeks before anybody else has it. And it only costs you a dollar a month. So imagine this, it's $12 a year at the lowest Patreon level. What are you going to pay for a book? You're going to pay about that. And Extraordinary, as we've been talking about it, and and you'll hear more about it in the coming weeks weeks as we're going to talk to artist Steve Newton and really get in depth into what Extraordinary is all about. This is like our epic and we've been working for years to put this together and I've had the story that I've wanted to tell for a long time and the the more and more world building and character building we do the bigger and bigger it becomes and uh, I keep telling everybody this is like my Game of Thrones. This is my Harry Potter. This is my Star Wars. Like this is our big extended universe and if you become a Patreon. Supporter, now between now and the end of March, you're going to get every single volume of the Extraordinary Saga before anybody else and you're going to get it as part of your Patreon support reward. And it only costs a dollar a month. So go to patreon.com slash Show or go to our Facebook page to get more information. Go to the website geekuniverseshow.com Those are all of the places that you can find out more about becoming a Patreon supporter and getting all of the goodness and awesomeness of Extraordinary coming your way absolutely positive positively for free as a reward for being a Patreon supporter. And for those of you who are already supporting the show, thanks. Looking forward to hearing what you think about Extraordinary when it hits the Patreon at the end of March. Stay tuned. We've got more Geek Universe coming up in just a bit with more of our conversation with Jonathan Frakes. I'm Jim Yelton and you are listening to Geek Universe.
3: There are many sounds in your daily life. Ones that make you smile. <laughs> ones that help you relax. And there are some sounds that can help save lives. Wireless emergency alerts. Now on many mobile devices, use a unique sound and vibration to bring you critical information about emergencies in your area. With updates from local sources you know and trust, you can be in the know wherever you are. Learn more at ready.gov alerts. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council.
2: Hey, gang, if you're sitting in your car or at home or at work or any other place that you listen to Geek Universe every weekend and you're enjoying the show, go support us on Patreon. There's a lot of cool rewards that are show specific, like our T-shirts and our coffee mugs. And we've got the treasure chest of awesome goodness that you can get, full of geeky stuff like books and collectibles and games and toys and all sorts of cool stuff that will make you feel like a kid getting a Happy Meal again, except this time it's even better. There's better stuff in it. You can even have a chance to be a convention correspondent and show producer at some of the higher levels where we're going to send you to Comic-Con or New York Comic-Con or C2E2 in Chicago. There's lots of cool stuff. There's some stretch goals that we've got where we will be bringing you some really cool Patreon-exclusive programs like me re-watching all of the episodes of old shows movies we will have more guests joining us for those a lot of fun stuff that we have on deck for those of you who go to patreon and support the show go to patreon.com forward slash geek universe show check out the reward tiers pick one that's right for you and make sure that we can continue to bring you geek universe each and every week on this very radio station and it's the best way to let us know that you're enjoying the show
0: been waiting for.
3: Oh, goody!
2: My Illudium Q36 Explosive Space Modulator.
0: Nope, it's more of Geek Universe with your host, Jim Yelton.
2: Welcome back to Geek Universe. I'm your host, Jim Yelton. As we are going to wrap things up this week with our very special guest, Jonathan Frakes. It's been a great chat with Jonathan, and we're going to wrap things up with a little bit of rapid-fire questions for him about some of his favorite Trek memories from the next generation. Before we do that, I want to take just one more opportunity to point you to our Facebook page. Go to Facebook.com slash Geek Universe Show and join the conversation. Like the Facebook page, you'll get all the updates about our upcoming guests, our upcoming live appearances. We've got another live appearance coming up at the St. Louis Science Center for another first Friday. The first Friday of February, we are going to be talking Ready Player One with one of our favorite Geek Universe all-star guest van allen plexico that one's going to be a lot of fun because i have wildly differing opinions about the book and the movie It's weird, because I was really looking forward to the movie, because I love the book so much. But I love the book for different reasons than I love the movie. And I think Van is kind of along the same wavelength with me on some things, but on other things, I think that we have some disagreements about the movie. He is much more of a fan of the movie, I think, than he is the book. And it's going to be fun to sit down and talk to him and the fans at the St. Louis Science Center when we go back for First Friday in February. But you can stay up to date on all of our upcoming live appearances by going to Facebook.com slash Geek Universe Show, like the Facebook page, and stay up to date on everything going on in the Geek Universe. Now, let's get back to Jonathan Frakes and wrap things up with him with some rapid-fire questions. And stay tuned at the end as he gives me some tips on how to handle my upcoming interview with Marina Sirtis Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation, which is going to be coming your way next week. Okay, well, we've got about four or five minutes left, so I, I want to wrap things up with you with with some kind of rapid-fire questions. I'm sure you get asked these all of the time, so you may have an answer off the top of your head, or you may not. Um, what was your favorite Riker episode of Next Generation?
1: Frame of Mind.
2: Yeah, that was so good.
1: That was good. Uh,
2: what was your favorite episode of the show that wasn't a Riker heavy episode that that you enjoy more for the, everybody else's performance or the story?
1: The Offspring obviously was my first directing opportunity, and it was a data show, and it was beautifully written by Renee mm-hmm. and it was it lives at at a very special spot in my heart and my memory
2: i i've talked to other people who were actors on shows and then transitioned and behind the scenes and started directing on the same show and and they all talk about how supportive the cast and the crew was for that first directing experience
3: yeah um, you it's know, huge
2: was was everybody just kind of like we have to almost give 120% for this because Jonathan's directing his first episode or did you feel that from everybody
1: from everybody? Yeah, it was, it was a great time.
2: So I don't know if, if this is a question that you get asked too often. Um, you know, everybody knows and, and Patrick Stewart himself has talked about how the first couple of years of the show, uh, were really rough on him. And and he looks back on it now and wishes, at times, that he had approached things a little bit differently. And maybe he was a little bit temperamental on set, or or may have been standoffish from time to time. Do, do you look back on it and and realize that he had a lot on his shoulders, and and now look back on it and and realize that those first couple of years were hard for everybody and, you know, almost wish that you guys could turn back the clock a little bit and, and almost redo the first season.
1: It wouldn't be what it is. Yeah. yeah I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of back the clock.
2: Good. I'm glad to hear you say that. Yeah. So you said the offspring was your favorite non Riker focused episode, um, because it was your first, I
1: think the best episode. episodes we did were the, uh, best of both worlds parts one and two the cliffhanger and three at the it's end of funny
2: I was gonna tell you um, one of the things we do because we do our show live sometimes with with an audience at a convention or a, or a live appearance and just recently we did a kind of a sweet 16 March Madness bracket tournament of all of the Star Trek captains and Riker made it I think to the semifinals. And it was, it was largely on the strength of his captaining the ship during the best of both worlds. Because every time somebody would make an argument, they're like, yeah, but at the end of the day, he was going to kill Picard. Like he was ready to do
1: it. (laughs) He sure was. And that was a great cliffhanger.
2: That was, it was one of the best cliffhangers I think ever in the history of TV. Like I, I think so too. Because you, you really don't know. I mean, obviously, they're not going to kill off Picard. But in the back of your mind, you're like, well, I don't know. I mean. yeah. So it it was so good. Um, did you have any other favorite episodes that you directed?
1: Cause and effect, I thought, was given to me as a, uh, I thought they were taking the piss out of me. Because each each act was the same. hmm before I realized it was a Russian story, um, that was a big favorite of mine. I I also loved the episode with uh, with Gene Simmons, the trial episode that not the oh right. That
2: right, Yeah, yeah, she was good in that. Yeah, and
1: so was Patrick. It was a great episode. That.
2: Are there any guest stars? Drumhead.
1: Or... It, was the, it was called the Drumhead.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, other than Gene Simmons, was was there a guest star that you wish? could have done more episodes that that the character could have come back cuz you liked working with them so much
1: and then at Colin McCormick Q I wish always wish for more Q I love Delancey.
2: Did you that's another question I wanted to to ask you was when you because he's so good and the character is so fun Uh, did you as a cast get excited when you saw that there was a Q episode coming down the pike?
1: Always. Um, I never understood why he wasn't used in the movie franchise.
2: I always wondered that too. Yeah. One last thing before I let you go, um, because I very rarely have this opportunity. I'm talking to you today and here shortly later this week, I am, Going to be talking to uh, Marina mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Beyond
1: <laughs> Good luck.
2: <laughs> Beyond saying hi for you, is there a question or a story that I should ask her to tell that's really good <laughs> or maybe uh, slightly <laughs> embarrassing?
1: <laughs> oh, she will regale you. Know, just stay away from politics. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which side of the audience? I'll tell you about you the Orville. On? We just had her on the Orville.
2: Well, and that's why we're having her on because. Um... Yeah, asked
1: her about that. That went down pretty quickly. Seth said, uh, I saw these actresses. I said, yeah, I picked this one. He said, well, shouldn't we find somebody special to do this part? I said, what are you thinking? He said, well, somebody from the show. I said, how about Marina? He said, "Could you see if she's available?" So I texted her, <laughs> and she was in she was in wardrobe the next day, and she shot that afternoon.
2: Oh wow, nice! Well, see, yeah, it it's good to have connections.
1: Yeah, and she crushed it. She's fabulous.
2: Yeah, she's she's amazing. Uh, so I will be talking to her, and and I will avoid politics with her.
1: Please give my best to my Amzati.
2: I will. And thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I know uh, after all your shooting, you're probably tired and and need to relax. So I will let you go. Uh, Thanks, Jim. And we'll look forward to seeing uh, upcoming episodes of The Orville and Discovery and The Gifted and all the other stuff that you're doing. Thank you so much.
3: You've been listening to another exciting episode of Geek Universe with Jimmy Elton. Find out more about every corner of the Geek Universe, including previous episodes, dates for our live appearances, and themed merchandise including Trivia Thunderdome t-shirts and Jim's book, The Swindlers of Doom, at geekuniverseshow.com. You can also find Geek Universe with Jim Yelton at facebook.com slash 30minutesofgeek, or on Twitter using the Twitter handle, at 30minutesofgeek. Geek Universe with Jim Yelton is a production of Midnight Entertainment, LLC. This episode is copyright 2017, or rights reserved. Well, kids, that's all you get.
0: That's it. Read a book!